Welcome to the Jesus the Game Changer podcast from Olive Tree Media, hosted by Carl Fays. In today's podcast, Jago Wynn, Rector of Trinity Church in Clapham, speaks on William Wilberforce, the Clapham sect, and the absolute game-changing effect they had in the abolition of slavery. Jago, this church is actually fairly famous. Why is it famous? Yeah, it's famous because um, this is where William Wilberforce and the Clapham sect uh, worshipped um, many years ago. So it was built in 1776. And soon after that, around 1800, a group of people, William Wilberforce and a number of others, came here. And it was a group of people meeting together here and worshipping here that actually were saying the slave trade is something that shouldn't happen. Wow. So did they, did they live around here? Because this is a Clapham Common around Yeah, exactly. Us. So Clapham Common's all over there. And uh, so the guy who gave the money for this place to be built um, was uh, the Thornton family, John Henry Thornton. They lived over the far side of the common right. there. William Wilberforce lived over there. And so there were lots of them dotted all around here, came here just as their regular local church. But it was as they gathered together, as they prayed together, as they thought, right. my Christian faith, how do I live it out? Actually, they worked for the abolition of the slave trade over 20 years, and um, that was the amazing result. The, 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 it's called the Clapham Sick, but yeah. it wasn't actually an organised group, was it? No, it wasn't. It was a group of friends, basically. A group of friends, yep. a group of Christian brothers and sisters who met together, um, had meals together, right. uh, went to each other's houses, prayed together, just like any other normal, regular people, but they were supporting each other, and they were saying, actually, we can make a huge difference for Jesus um, in our lives, and, then, and they worked with that. And Wilberforce was obviously the the sort of the, the, the figurehead and the spearhead. He was the member of parliament. He was driving things forward, but actually there were a whole group of them that were um, supporting him. So you had John Venn, who was the rector, uh, sort of the spiritual input. Uh, you had um, Thorn the Thorntons, who were a lot of the financial backing, uh, you, and you had others giving different support. So J.R., you've been rector here for a couple of years, and you've just talked about the, the Clapham sect and William Wilberforce. And we just want to explore Wilberforce's life with you a little. So, in, in, as a child, was, was church faith belief a key part of his life? No, not really. So he was born 1759 or something like that, and he had a happy upbringing, a caring upbringing. He was quite a small, sickly child, but he, his, his dad died when he was nine. Um, and then, sort of growing up, actually, he more and more, he was very sociable, he liked talking to people, and actually he was quite a party animal. By the time he got, he went to Cambridge University, and he was there, he was focused far more on the, the social side of things than his studies. You know, he was out late night drinking, gambling, playing cards. Um, that was his life. He, he, was, he was focused on having fun. And he got into Parliament very young after Cambridge, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. No, so I think it was age 21, 22, something like that. Um, he was an MP for Hull. And uh, um, when he was at Cambridge, he got to know and was good friends with William Pitt, who later became prime minister. Um, so, yeah. Interesting picture, isn't it? Because here's this guy, educated in Cambridge, member of parliament, mate of, yeah, you know, exactly. the, the kind of aristocracy, yes. as it were. And he's a party animal as yeah. well. We, most people don't think about William Wilberforce like that because they kind of think about him as, as a, a, a Christian leader and parliamentarian. Yeah. So what caused that change? Well, apparently what it was was when he went on holiday once. So he went to Europe um, and he went with his mum, his sister and a friend of his, Isaac Milner, who was a little bit older than him. And basically it was in conversation as they were heading around Europe on some sort of like grand tour and they were, they were talking about the big questions of life. And also they read a book together and uh, I think it was called The Rise and Fall of Religion in the Soul. 
And uh, as they were reading this book and discussing things as they went round, Wilberforce began to realize the truth of Jesus Christ. And it's helpful to remember that when you're doing a tour of Europe then, you're doing it in a horse and carriage. Exactly. So, so you had a lot of time. Exactly, so they had loads of time. It was over months. And, uh, and as he, as towards the end of that journey was when he started taking faith more seriously. He regretted the fact that he sort of been independent of Jesus Christ in the past. And he started praying. Uh, he started reading the Bible. He, he started re recording a prayer journal. And it's amazing. You can read his prayer journal. And it just it says these incredible things about, you know, how amazing it is that God's loved me, that he should save a sinner such as me. And, and, and just really personal stuff in these early days of him exploring a, f a faith. So he's become a Christian in the conversation with Milner. Did he see himself as, wow, God has got me in parliament for this moment? No, it actually really troubled him. He was, he was suddenly going, hang on, am I wasting my life being a member of parliament? Should I be a vicar? Is that what all Christians should do? I've got to go and be a vicar. Uh, and actually, it, it took quite a bit of wrestling to work out that actually it was a good thing for him to be a Christian person and making a difference in parliament. And there were some key moments in that conversation. So uh, his, his friendship with William Pitt, the prime minister, the, he, William Pitt was going, no, 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 you're wasting your life if you go and be a vicar. But actually the key moment was when he went to see John Newton. So John Newton, uh, who used to be a, a, a slave trader, then became a Christian, famously wrote the, the hymn Amazing Grace. And he went to see John Newton. Uh, and John Newton said, no, actually, you have exactly the right giftings um, and passion uh, that it would be, God can use you greatly uh, in uh, Parliament. And, it was, and I think Newton said something along the lines of, this, this, is, this, is, this is your opportunity. And Wilberforce was like, I've suddenly got a second chance. I'm not wasting my life uh, by being in Parliament. Actually, I can make a difference for Jesus where I am. I don't need to go and be a vicar. Do you, do you know, was it a, is it well known about the, his commitment to stopping the slave trade? I mean, how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, it was, it, 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 when you read his journal, one of the most famous quotes he says is he says, God has put before me um, two main aims, uh, the abolition, abolition of the slave trade and the reformation of manners. And he very much saw that God had called him to those two things. And uh, yes, that grew over time as he, saw, uh, as he saw the issues of slavery in so many ways. But he very much saw these are the two things, the abolition of the slave trade and the reformation of manners. By that, he doesn't mean I want everyone to be really <laughs> real goody goodies. Yeah. Uh, but by that, he was basically meaning a real Christian faith uh, it makes a difference and actually you, you, it's not just some internal thing, but it makes a difference in how you live your life. At, uh, yeah. at that time, he became part of this church in the Clapham sect. What sort of influence did that group have around him? I think it had a really, uh, just an encouraging influence and a, an influence to keep persevering. So there were a group of people with loads of different skills, loads of different backgrounds, loads of different um, occupations, but all meeting here and and worshiping together and encouraging one another. And so they, they would very much be able to support each other, just like a group of people might be. So he wasn't this sort of lone, lone warrior doing this thing by himself, but he had a lot of backing in all sorts of ways. And that was the encouragement for him to persevere. And it was, it was, a, it was a long journey. It wasn't like the slave trade just got sort of sorted out in a, in a year. I mean, a lot of people know that, but for those who don't, I mean, this, as you say, it wasn't like he stood up in parliament, everybody yeah. said, oh yes, you're right, let's yeah. stop this. Yeah. What, what was the process that, that, that abolished slavery? Supremely, it was, it was um, actually getting the evidence. So there, were, so there was a guy called Thomas Clarkson who, who was connected to the Clapham sect and basically would go out and would record what was happening and what was going on. There was another guy who was part of the Clapham sect, Zachary McCauley, who used to be the governor in Sierra Leone. He came back and he gave first-hand 
evidence of this is what is going on. So it was garnering lots of evidence um, and then that being presented in Parliament, along with, I guess you'd call it, marketing uh, and campaigning. So um, Hannah Moore, um, she, she wrote loads of tracts um, that were distributed about why slave trade should be abolished. Uh, and then there was um, Josiah Wedgwood as well, so of pottery fame, and he uh, produced a, a plaque uh, that had a picture of a slave, and on it it said, am I not a man or a brother? So, and that, that was sold by the bucket loads, because people were, were, more and more, the public consciousness was going, actually, this is, this is wrong. This is wrong, that people who are fellow human beings are being treated this way. We look at the picture of buying and selling people as something so abhorrent, and we can't imagine why people would justify it. So why was it difficult to stop in England? I guess, <laughs> above all, money. Um, the, there were so many people who were benefiting from the slave trade, um, earning lots of money, uh, lots of jobs as a result of it. So someone like Bristol, which is a port, um, so much of the, the trade, the commerce at that time was a, wrapped up in sl slavery. And so actually, if you're suddenly saying this, slavery cannot happen, the slave trade cannot happen, actually there are so many repercussions in terms of people's well-being, people's finances, people's jobs. And so there were, there were a lot of people who were opposed to, to the abolition of the slave trade. Was Wilberforce attacked because of that? I mean, was it a, was it, did it become personal for him? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, yes, certainly. I mean, he, he was attacked in Parliament. There were, I mean, in, in Parliament, there were, the debates were furious uh, and furious over long periods of time. And it's interesting to go, what kept him going? What kept him going that? There's a quote I love that he, he, he said, that he said, um, uh, I, I've made it my resolve um, that I do, I endeavour, no, he says, I endeavour henceforth uh, to do all I can uh, for the glory of God and the good of my fellow man. And those were his two passions, to do things for the glory of God and the good of his fellow man. And that's what drove him even when he was facing attack for what he was doing. It's so interesting that this, this place mm. and the people that, that came here must have been so important in that situation. Yeah, no, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, what, is it, what was it like towards the end of his life? Because it, it, there were two levels of passing yeah, the slave, that's right. the slave that's sort right. of abolition of slavery. Yeah. What were the two levels? Yeah, so the, the eventually, after, after about, I think it was probably 19 years of campaigning in 1807, um, the abolition of the slave trade was passed. So that was saying, actually, from this moment on, people are not allowed to trade slaves. They're not allowed to ship them around and trade them and buy and sell slaves. But it wasn't actually until three days before Wilberforce died in 1833 that the Slavery Abolition Act was actually passed, when it was saying slavery per se is illegal. There, there were two levels to this, wasn't there? Because you said this before. One was the, the politics of it, like in... Uh, Parliament House, but there was a, there was obviously a big public movement that had to be that had to kind of shift um, the, the attitude of the community. Uh, Wilberforce, the Clapham sect, they were a really a key part of that change, weren't they? Yeah, the, the, uh, they were. So, it, I mean, that that's the thing. In, in anything where change needs to happen, um, then there's there is there's there's all the evidence being stacked up, and when it's policy making, that's in Parliament. But it's also what is the public consciousness as well, and a, a lot of the preaching from this place and a lot of the things that were produced from this place in terms of the tracks and things were all contributing to that. So in the end, as, as you've said, for Wilberforce, it was all about what God was calling him to do. It wasn't so much just that he was a humanitarian. His motivation was his faith in Jesus. Yeah, his motivation was his faith in Jesus. When you read it again and again, it is, he, 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 was, he was motivated by his faith in Jesus, which meant he sees every single human being as made in the image of God and then for all human beings equal. 
And so when he therefore saw some human beings who weren't being treated as equal, he wanted to do something about that. It's so, helpful to remember as well that it was, there was a whole bunch of other things he did, didn't he? Yeah. It wasn't just the slave trade, which we yeah. focused no, on. That's right. So from this church, uh, the Bible Society was started. So Wilberforce was involved in that, starting the Bible Society, saying, actually, if people are going to get into a relationship with God, they need to read about God and they need to read about him and, and all that Jesus did in the Bible. So he was, he was essential for that. Church Mission Society, sending missionaries out uh, to tell people about Jesus. That was started from this church. Uh, he, was, he was passionate about um, animals too. And so he, he started the Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Uh, he was passionate about um, child, the, the problem with child labor. So he set up an organization to deal with that. So there were so many different things that he said, this is the cause, this is what needs to happen. And all of it, as you say, stemmed from his belief in Jesus and him going, actually, who's God made me to be and how can I best be serving him? And him recognizing, he talks a lot in his journal about um, the future and when he'll, be, he'll after his death, when he'll meet face to face with God. And he, and he, and he says, how am I gonna live now? So when I look, look at God in, in the eye face to face, um, he's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. And the Thornton family were a very important family right. for this church and for the work of William Wilberforce. Tell us about the Thornton family. Yeah, so the Thornton family originally, they were Russian merchants uh, who were trading between the Baltic and Hull in the north of England. And uh, after a while, they settled in Clapham here. Um, and they were Christians and they believed in Jesus and they were very wealthy as a result of, um, of all this, the, the merchant trading. And um, I guess, What's so staggering about them is how they used their money. So they made a lot of money and they didn't just go, right, we're keeping it all for ourselves, but they used their money in so many amazing ways. So John Thornton, um, who was very, very rich, um, he was the person actually who gave the money so this church could be built. So this church was built because of him. Um, he, was, he also invested his money into um, supporting lots of different uh, vicars and different churches. Uh, he he um, paid money so that he could make sure the right people were appointed into the right churches so people would actually speak about Jesus and the gospel uh, in those churches. And at the time, there were plenty of vicars who were just vicars because it was a nice job to do. So it was actually, he was going, I want to get people in churches who are actually going to be speaking about Jesus Christ. Um, but also, um, used his money in so many other different ways as well. So um, here we've got buildings, we've got vicars, but actually here was William Wilberforce in this church uh, working for the abolition of the slave trade. A lot, if you like, of the financial backing uh, for that great project came from John Thornton. So it was amazing to see how he used his money. How do you reckon that changed in his mind? Like, why would he have taken that attitude? Yeah, it's a good question. I guess it, it, at the end of the day, he was going, this money I've been given it's not my money that's all about me. Uh, actually, it is God's money. God's given me the gifts to have this money and I'm to steward it wisely. And part of that stewarding for him meant giving some away. So of course he would have used some of his money for himself, for everyday needs, food, etc., housing. Uh, but actually he goes, actually extra, I don't need to live a lavish lifestyle. I'm going to use it to give away. And apparently he gave away, because he was so wealthy, he gave away six sevenths of his income. So one seventh of his income was for him and for using for, for, for all that he was doing in life. But six sevenths he gave away to all these different causes. Yeah, yeah you're in this church where you have that kind of heritage, as it were. Yeah. But you, you also worked in business and yes. you've, you've been in ministry in the workplace. How, how, how do you talk to people who are working, uh, earning reasonable amounts of money? What do you say to them about giving and, and their attitude to money? Yeah, I, I, what I basically say is that um, Jesus said, 
that you can't serve both God and money. Um, so, so easily money can become a God to us, particularly in Clapham here today, I, I, probably just as it was in the Thornton's day, here, this is a fairly prosperous area. So many people are living for a bigger house, living for um, the education of their children, living for a second car, a delightful foreign holiday. Now those things aren't wrong, uh, they're not wrong, but the danger is that we can live for them. And actually money um, is a good servant to us, but it's not a good master. And the danger is that so often we can be tempted to go, money's my master, I'm doing everything, I'm making my decisions based on how do I get more money. That's gonna be a disaster, but actually money's a good servant. We can use it to, to enjoy life, to have a good time, but also we can use it just like the Thorntons did to share with others and to give to others. Last question, Jago. This, this series is called Jesus the Game Changer. In, for you, and looking at the world and, and life and ministry, how is Jesus the Game Changer? Uh, for me, he's the game changer in my life. So uh, for me, I was, as a teenager, heading in a direction similar actually to William Wilberforce, saying, I want to have fun. I want life to be fun. I want to party. I want to enjoy things. And I thought God was a killjoy. I thought Jesus was a killjoy. He just spoilt your fun. And actually, as I realized who he is and all that he's done, um, actually, my life was transformed. And I actually realized he is Lord of everything. He's Lord of my life and he knows how best to live life and how to do life. And that completely changed me, changed the direction of where I'm going and changed what I'm doing. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the radio, video and podcast ministry of Olive Tree Media, visit olivetreemedia.com.au forward slash donate.